0: Well, I can tell you one thing. The Saudis are seeking to become a major player in the world of football, and they're pretty much not afraid of spending money to get there. You can see that. The big story of this transfer window has been the rise of the Saudi Pro League as a hot destination, though, looking to attract the biggest stars in European football. And with the Saudis, I mean, they've bankrolled something like 620 billion U.S. dollars public investment fund, uh, taking the market by storm. I mean, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo's move from Manchester United to Al-Nasir in January already feels like an eternity. And it's already set the stage for what could be a lucrative exodus en masse. Now, the Saudi officials, though, are very keen to lure some of the, the game's biggest names over to the Middle East. We're going to be tapping into that market and see who's already going to the kingdom and who's saying thanks but no thanks and who's still thinking about it. We've got Ben Jacobs, a sports journalist and commentator, joining us right here on Marawa Sports uh, Worldwide. Uh, So Ben's going to be giving us a bit of a breakdown to see who is going to be going where and how and really lead us in because a lot of these tales get told, um, I think, from our side Killing Mbappe, that's been the big headline story over the past, uh, what, 24 hours or so. But what is it? What is the attraction? Ben Jacobs, live on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Thank you so much for your time. So Mbappe may be left with two options. One, stay
1: at PSG and not play. Or two, go to Saudi for a year, earn a lot of money, get PSG a lot of money, and still get to Real Madrid. When you spell it out like that, it's a clean option, but it's just not thought that Mbappe wants to go to Saudi Arabia even for these astronomical summons. So he's going to take some convincing.
0: Yeah, Ben, I was going to say that, um, I don't know, I was trying to think long and hard in terms of history. Historically, uh, who would have done that? Especially top-level footballer, World Cup-winning youngster with the world. At large, looking at him and saying that this could be the next best thing with Lionel Messi and Ronaldo, you know, towards the end of their careers, he could be the next thing. I can't fathom uh, a player of that magnitude sitting, twiddling his thumbs on the sidelines.
1: No, but I don't think any of us could have fathomed Mbappe playing week in, week out in Saudi Arabia at his age as well in such an important season. So there's a game going on. And there's a few deadlines in this game that we should be aware of before determining what will happen. The first is the end of this month because then a so-called loyalty bonus kicks in at PSG. So I would expect that Kylian Mbappe would not give any kind of firm answer or indication to Saudi Arabia before he picks up that loyalty bonus. The second deadline is, of course, the close of the window. And by then the season will have started and Mbappe will start to understand whether PSG are bluffing and they are actually going to play him, especially if he appears committed, or whether he's going to be benched, and the closer we get to the close of the window, if Mbappe is still at PSG and unhappy, the more confidence perhaps Saudi Arabia will get from their offer. Any other interest is difficult. Real Madrid could, of course, come in with a much lower offer and try and sign Mbappe earlier. And if they've got player buy-in, we might see a situation where Mbappe waives a large proportion of his sign-on fee for 2024 allowing Real Madrid to effectively give that to PSG instead this summer. Premier League clubs are going to be less interested because obviously, unlike Saudi Arabia, they don't want to invest these kind of sums on Mbappe and only get him for a year. So the consensus is that Mbappe wants Real, and whether that's 2023 or 2024 remains to be seen. But if it's 2024, then Saudi Arabia see this as a window of opportunity, and that's why they've moved.
0: Ben, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to take a quick break. we going to come back from the break. i want going to tap into your mind and ask about some of these other players and also the bigger plan as far as Saudi football is concerned. Uh, chatting to Ben Jacobs, who joins us live right here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Don't go anywhere. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In 3, 2, 1. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag <laughs> MSW For 25 minutes after the hour, it is hashtag MSW Marawa Sports Worldwide live on 947 Rise FM, VUMA FM, Alan Sowetan live. Good to have you on board again tonight. Interactive as always, maybe your thoughts on what we're chatting about, uh, the rise of football in the Saudi region. What is going on? Is it going to be what a takeover? Is that sounding too harsh? Is that sounding too ambitious? I don't know, you you there, you watching, you watching one of this unfold right in front of your eyes as well. And that's why we've got uh, all the way in Atlanta, United States of America, Ben Jacobs, who joins me again. Ben, thank you so much for your patience. And I know that as we're heading into that break, uh, my main question was just about sustainability. Is this something that can grow? Uh, with all of these big names. And I was trying to scribble a few during the break. I mean, Ronaldo obviously spearheaded this move. The likes of Karim Benzema followed. Uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Hakim Ziyech is also there in Golokantes. These are big names that plied their trade um, in the EPL. And obviously La Liga at some point. Is this sustainable long term?
1: Yeah, I think it is sustainable long term and I think we need to also be very clear that this is only stage one. So the first target for Saudi Arabia via these so-called deal makers who represent multiple clubs is to populate the league with 20 or so top names from Europe, particularly focusing on four clubs which are owned by the Saudi sovereign wealth fund known as PIF, two in Riyadh and two in Jeddah, al Ittihad, Al-Ali, Al Nasser and Al Hilal. And then from there, the rest of the league will grow. Al Etifak is a very interesting club because it's managed by the Liverpool legend Stephen Gerrard and the Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson is just about to join, as you've already said, Golo Kante, Karim Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo there as well. And I think some of the real clues are the slightly younger players, for example, if Saudi are successful in getting Mitrovic from Fulham, who was in excellent form in the Premier League, or alternatively, names like Neves and Milinkovic, Savic, who are not in their early 30s. They're in their late 20s. Some are even a little bit younger. And then from there, we're going to see, I think, a lot of the leagues outside of the Premier League, with maybe less suitable names, but high potential targeted. So keep an eye out, for example, on young French talent who would normally come through the League on system. And clubs, for example, like Monaco, have always had an excellent track record of breeding that youth and eventually selling them for big profit outside of France. You look at the Red Bull group and what they do with young talent as well. I think Saudi Arabia will be looking to develop that young talent and then that way they can either sell them or bring them through the league and have more players at their peak. So this is a long project between now and 2030, but everything has gone according to plan. So obviously how the players that move or almost move recount that experience is going to be really important. Like you mentioned Hakim Ziyech, he's not gone to Saudi Arabia yet. He did a medical with Al Nasser. There were issues during that medical and the deal for now is off. And Ziyech is arguing that it's not off because of a problem with his knee. It's off because instead of signing him, Al Nasser moved to Marcelo Brozovic from Inter instead and then decided they were just going to discard him. So how the players actually experience Saudi Arabia both in terms of recruitment but also their time there whether they get paid on time and other aspects such as are oh, the bonuses what they say they are are going to be very important to the longevity of this project because it all looks rich it all looks shiny and it all looks new but obviously if players have had experiences then the project will not be sustainable
0: yeah i would i would have to go sue that club because if you're giving wrongful information about one's health uh, that does affect and jeopardize his further moves uh, one would say though ben but just moving away from that i mean you talk about the project still in its infancy or stage one as it is but the hunger to move ahead i mean i look at a club like al-ali uh, it's one of the biggest teams. I think uh, one of the four that have been taken over by the PIF recently, who were three times champions in the second tier uh, last season. I mean, they went up as champions. Uh, they share a ground with Al Etihad, uh, something that I'm not sure if they'll be able to maintain as well moving forward. And at a time when they had agreed that £30 million deal uh, to bring Man City forward, Riyad Mahrez, to the club, they hadn't even had a manager by then. So this was all just a business Uh, The management was saying, let us do this, let's go buy this and this, and whoever comes through as a coach will find us midstream. Is that something that you understand works from a footballing perspective?
1: Well, it's not necessarily a club-specific strategy. So rather than looking at one club and whether they are big or small or whether they've just come back up or whether they were fighting relegation, it's more important to consider the central coordination which is what makes this project so interesting. It's almost like if you've got Erling Haaland and you're the Premier League, it would be the British government and the Premier League determining where Erling Haaland plays, whether it's Man City or whether he's moved to Manchester United and so on. And this is why the individual clubs come into the deals very late and are not in control of their budget and they're not funding these massive outlays because quite clearly they don't have these type of finances. It's unthinkable, for example, to presume that Al Hilal have just got a billion euros lying around to throw at Killian Mbappe. It comes from the Ministry of Sport and the Ministry of Sport have allocated seventeen billion English pounds between now and twenty thirty, specifically on transfers. So as a consequence of controlling the budget strings some of the decision-making on recruitment is centralised. It's not to say that the clubs can't pick targets and then request the funding, because obviously there has to be a manager say, but effectively, there's centralised recruitment, and as a result, where the players go is not always a reflection of any club or its standing. It's more part of a wider central strategy that comes from the government and then tilts it out.
0: Ben, you and I know that one of the big takers when it comes to football globally and which also sustains how viable or marketable uh, anything is has to do with television. Right now, everybody that I bump into even on social media asks the same question. Where can we watch this league? Where are we going to have access to to this league? Tell me more about their bigger plan to roll this out so that everybody around the globe can watch. Yeah, I think
1: that will be the long-term strategy and what has to be worked out is to ultimately is, commercially speaking, in higher standing at this point. Is it the broadcasters, because they know that the Saudi Pro League wants exposure, or is it the Saudi Pro League because they know that over the course of the coming weeks, months and years, they're going to be adding more and more top names, and that will obviously determine what people are prepared to pay. So there is a broadcast strategy, and I think that certain regions will become more apparent in the coming weeks. For example, the European region and English language output is being produced, a big media company called IMG. They've recently won that contract and the assumption is that that will be a world feed that will be distributed in various territories and on top of that potentially highlights given to certain outlets and online platforms that wish to show them. But it all comes down to negotiation. First you've got to produce the feed and at quite short notice and then beyond that you have to work out whether or not it's in the interest of a broadcaster to pay or whether actually there's going to be cut-price deals given to certain outlets because it's more important for the Saudi Pro League just to have their league shown far and wide. And I think it's a mixture of both, because obviously if you get Mbappe, you can charge more for TV rights. If you don't have as big a name, then you might want to give it away for free or almost nothing. So we have to wait and see. It's a very interesting commercial dynamic, but there's certainly plans to distribute the Saudi Pro League. And I also wouldn't rule out what we call an OTT platform, which is effectively where... The league produced it themselves in pay-per-view form. So they would take a world feed in multiple languages and they would offer a global audience the ability to pay, to watch per match or to buy a season pass, which is very common in America in particular. So that's one to watch as well. It won't happen overnight, but there's certainly big plans. And then obviously in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia's main channel, the Saudi sports company, are going to be the television channel to air the league.
0: Going to take one or two
2: voice notes, so Ben. I'll get your comments. Good evening, Mr. Marawa. Regarding the Arab League, I don't believe that buying these big name players will going to grow the Arab League because perception. or they might be perceived as a retirement league where people who failed in other leagues or people who performed in other big leagues are now just going there to make money. So, I. I think they need a better strategy. They need more brand communication to their league, not to their clubs. So I don't think that strategy can be sustained, Mr. Marawa. Thanks, David and Parkwood.
0: David and Parkwood, thank you so much indeed. Having the honor to chat to Ben Jacobs on the line all the way live from the United States of America in Atlanta, uh, giving us uh, the insight in terms of what's uh, really taken the global game uh, to a different level. Talkability is not only about the transfer, but it's about where is everybody going to in this transfer window? It's not just circling around within the EPL as it usually is, or maybe to MLS as it sometimes is. This time around, it's Saudi, the focal point. Ben, uh, what our caller was saying is that are they going to be looked at at some point as a retirement league? I don't think so.
1: You have to start by looking for globally known names. Um, Those names are in likelihood going to be older and have a pedigree. And I think when you look at the buzz around Ronaldo or Benzema, there's no real feeling that they're past it there's more in excitement that region and they're promoting a new league and they're obviously being well compensated for that. So with the Chinese Super League, one of the problems was politics and also the fact that they did go for some aging names and then there was a conflict between those aging names and a desire to play homegrown talent to benefit the China national team. With Saudi, I think it's completely different. And ultimately, you shouldn't look at the names you see now and call it a retirement league because this is only phase one. And if you get some of the big names, you get other names, younger names, that then want to come and play with their idols. And then slowly the league build. So Jota, for example, who joined Al Itihad from Celtic to go and play alongside Kante and Benzema, is absolutely not there to retire. He's a young player. Mm. Ruben Neves is not there to retire. He could have had his pick from one or two Champions League clubs. Sergei Milinkovic-Savage is not there to retire. So I think when people call it a retirement league, they need to be aware that that may be based only on a few of the star names that they perceive to have moved out there. But by the end of this window, there'll be 30 to 50 foreign names. And I would say only around 15 of them will be in that retirement age bracket.
0: Would we include Sadio Mane here?
1: Sadio Mane is a possibility. I think Bayern wants to sell. Um, there's an agreement in principle to allow him to make the move for around about 40 million euros but there still needs to be player buy in So Mane's given the green light in terms of negotiating. There's no agreement with the player yet, but watch this space because things might move by the end of the month.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm sure you watched the same attempted, uh, I don't know if it was a media brief, but he kind of whittled past the, one of the media uh, guys who tried to stop him for a comment, and he says, you guys, you kill me every time, but now you want me to comment, and he just walked away. It also gave to me an indication of maybe, hey, his heart is long gone from Germany.
1: I think Mane actually entered into the summer wanting to stay at Bayern and fight for his place. But Thomas Tupel has spoken so publicly about the fact that Mane is not part of his plans that it becomes very difficult now for the players to have a future at Bayern. So he has to explore other opportunities. He does have more than one offer. There are other opportunities in Europe, clubs that are looking at Mane, that would like to bring him. So it just depends on what kind of challenge he's looking for. Quite clearly, with all of these names, they want to take the money. Saudi Arabia is their best option, but Mane may still want to play Champions League. So we're going to have to wait and see on this one. But what's abundantly clear is that Bayern want Mane out and as soon as possible.
2: Let's take a final voice note, uh, Ben. Good morning, Rob. It's the Europe. Uh, My honest opinion is that if Kylian Mbappe goes to uh, Saudi, uh, I, don't, I think his football is going to regress uh, significantly because he's not going to be playing a Champions League. Uh, also it's going to be exposed to some level of not so competitive football to what he's currently playing and i think the saudis are taking shortcuts in terms of football you cannot buy culture Uh, you need to start from scratch and develop a certain football culture in a country or a region. I think the same way as the U.S. have done, they've kind of like uh, built a certain culture of football, and when that culture has matured, they're starting to bring in big names. And I think uh, the Saudis are following the Chinese model, which failed dismally. and I don't think this is going to take off, uh, because you first need to have that football culture, without, which I don't think uh, they've managed to get uh, right at the moment. Thank you so much. the
0: Thank you so much indeed. Ben, a response to that, saying that maybe they're trying to take shortcuts? Yeah, I would disagree somewhat because
1: Saudi Arabia does have a football culture and anyone that was at the World Cup in Qatar saw that firsthand. They beat the eventual world champions, Argentina. They brought thousands of fans over. And if you've ever been to a game in Saudi Arabia, you see a massive culture just because the global audience has not followed the rivalries in Riyadh and in Jeddah it doesn't mean they don't exist these are football stadiums at large with the big clubs that attract thousands of fans I would say it's only really in the Middle East and North Africa region Egypt and Saudi Arabia that have got these types of fierce rivalries and when you follow the fan bases of Al-Ali or al Nasser or Al-Itihad or Al-Hilal you see that they're stadiums are populated, you see that they eat, live and breathe football, and they have foreign teams as well, which is why the project stands a very good chance of succeeding, because a lot of the fans out in Saudi Arabia have got second clubs, and they may be more player-centric. Saudi Arabia is a very young country in terms of average age, and young audiences increasingly follow players over teams, and I think that's what this project is ultimately banking on, that if you remove a top name from a top team instead of fans saying we're no longer interested in that player because they're not at a top team that we know, they actually will migrate across with the player. And when you look at social media followings, for example, after both Ronaldo joined Al Nasser or Messi went to, into Miami, you do see that huge surge because young audiences are not affixed to one particular club. Mm. So if the right names end up gravitating towards Saudi Arabia, they'll bring with them a global audience. But I do think it's worth stressing that first point again that to say that Saudi Arabia doesn't have a football culture is incorrect. If anything, it's got a bigger football culture than the United States of America. We didn't see MLS grow at all after the 94 World Cup. Now the hope is 2026 World Cup will make a big difference. And obviously Messi being in America helps massively. And there's certainly the Latino population who live, eat and breathe football. But I think in Saudi Arabia, it's the number one sport. That's the difference, that football is not the number one sport in North America. So that's always going to be the challenge Mm. for MLS with or without Messi. Football in Saudi Arabia is the number one sport. And if you think that they don't have a football culture, go and see a game because you'll change your mind very quickly.
0: Ben, I love the objective nature of how you've handled our conversation. I hope it's not going to be the last. And I thank you so much indeed uh, for opening our eyes to what is going to be the most interesting transfer window I think we've seen in a very, very long time. Thank you so much and all the best. My pleasure. All the best. Look forward to speaking soon. Thanks so much. That's uh, Ben Jacobs the sports journalist and commentator, uh, chatting to us from Atlanta in the United States of America. We'll take your WhatsApp voice notes and your comments.